Hello and welcome to the Carbitrage Podcast, episode 177. I am Eric Berger, joined as always by my co-host Ryan Tanetsky. Hey there. I have two thumbs. I also still do. There we go. Hopefully I make it through my entire life with these bad boys. That would be pretty pretty. Uh, being pretty able choice. to give a very half-hearted thumbs up is one of my favorite things to do. With a boomer thumbs up? At a car up, event. That thing? Yep. Yep. That's the sort of thing you get when you when you when like you give somebody a strong thumbs up mm-hmm. in the C five Corvette and they come back with this little like oh, half thumbs up thing. That's like a limp handshake. That's I just I just gross. don't have time for those just people. Turn that thumbs up into a middle finger. <laughs> hey, you may as well at least dignify me with something emotive. Yeah. God, if you're gonna awful. use one of your so, fingers. Well anyway, let's talk about uh, Patreon. <laughs> Sounds good. Head on over to patreon.com forward slash carbitrage. On this particular website, you will find two levels of open-ended support for content consumers like you to support content producers like us directly. Uh, Feel free to do this if you'd like to. Feel free to not if you don't. We will keep creating content either way, but uh, it certainly helps us out with our beer expenses. So, patreon.com forward slash carpetrage. And for my drink this week, I am drinking water because I'm pretty sure it's been hot enough where I need water. Yeah, you need water. You don't want to... Have two years in a row where you get dehydrated and pass. Out. I know I've made it a whole year after being in the ER with dehydration, so I'm gonna try to keep Actually, going. Actually, yeah, you've you've gone a whole year without some god awful medical problem happening to you, like unlike last Great. year where you couldn't make it a month. It. Thank you, thank you, Ryan. Well, I mean, everything else in the world's terrible, so yeah. So that probably means it's like uh, Ferraris F1 cars and their road cars. You're, you're if they're making crap F1 cars, they're making great road cars. Mm. For me, if the world's on fire, I'm doing well. Yeah, but if I'm doing well. <laughs> or sorry, if, if, if the world's you, doing well, I'm not doing there. You yeah, know, that's yeah, there the you one. Because yeah. everything was fine in 2019, more or less. Yeah, pretty much. Except, <laughs> except me. Yeah, except for you. You it's just broken. Yeah, you were just totally broken. Just broken. Um, well, hey, uh, how about this? <laughs> the world may be on fire, but I have good news for you. Excellent. Let's hear it. Well, first off, I'm drinking PBR. Okay. That's my my first piece of good news. Paps Blue Robot. My second piece of good news is you know Jim Ac- Jim Hackett, um, underqualified ass man. Yes, okay. The, right. the Ford guy. Ford guy, yes. Okay. <laughs> He's actually stepping down from Ford. Excellent. Good. Yay! There so, was much rejoicing. Uh, I would a, smack the bell, but that's not a pleasure bell. It is a pre-war bell. Yeah, I wish we need a pleasure bell. Where's the chime? The chime should be around here somewhere. The chime went away. Oh, I think we brought it to the auto show. Uh, anyway, so, yeah, Jim Hackett. Um, if you're not familiar with him, if you're newer to our podcast, we haven't talked about him in a few days. He is the gentleman that is behind uh, the idea, the wonderful plan to get rid of all Ford's cars, except for the Mustang, and just oh, concentrate yeah. on SUVs. Oh, and then to make that Mustang Mach-E, which everybody just freaking loved. Well, it's a great vehicle with the wrong name. That's the problem. Yeah, no, I really think that I would have been a fan of the Mach-E if it was called the Galaxy. Yep. Um, we talked about that. Yes, we yep. did. Yep. Uh, so anyway, he's stepping down, but... It's not all good news because this was kind of their plan from the start. Is he was going to be the dude that just took the L for bad PR for getting rid of all Ford's non-profitable vehicles in America. Oh, okay. And then they're just going to move forward with his thing. So, <laughs> whatever. Um, I'll take what I can get at least. However, this is the thing. While Ford has stepped away from small cars, Toyota or cars is, anyway. Yeah, cars at all. Toyota's killing it. With their cars. Well, so is Hyundai Kia. Yeah. Because they Hyundai, all still make cars. Hyundai Kia is killing it and Toyota's killing it. And what Toyota's able to do is they're making a TRD version of everything. And it's not like a phoned-in thing. Like, your TRD Camry still has, like... It, yeah, it's a Camry. It's a V6 Camry. <laughs> That's still a weird thing to hear. But now you have, like, 
all the TRD suspension on it. So it's like a Camry where, uh, as road, I think Road and Track reviewed it, and they said, it's a wonderful car with a terrible transmission. It's basically <laughs> what it is. Yeah, you're right. You're not wrong. Like, it, the Camry was given to TRD. TRD is like, I can't do anything about that. But we can do the rest of it, All right? Because they can't refederalize a transmission. Yeah, for exactly. Modifications. But that's the thing is, uh, so yeah, Jim Hackett stepping down from Ford. Uh, Ford's still gonna suck but unless they start following the trend of Toyota and Kia and Hyundai, mm-hmm. where yes, you can offer a car. It just has to not be garbage because mm-hmm. Ford is very good at making garbage. Because all their cars, if you want to get a car, you're either gonna get that. Uh, fluidless cvt thing that they had it was yeah it's a dry clutch it was a dry dual clutch it was yeah, dry, uh, called the power shift yeah the dry dual clutch thing which is an awful that idea. didn't work yeah, well didn't work at all um strange that it overheated yeah you can either get that or you can get a, a sports car and believe it or not it's kind well, you of you can get a pony car well uh, uh the sts is what i was talking about well you so can't you, get those anymore though i know but i was saying you could get a when they were making oh, cars okay. you could either sure. get the dry dual clutch, or you get an ST. So, you know, believe it or not, my Aunt Debbie down in Georgia, she has no business driving a Ford Fiesta ST. Uh, she would be driving a Fiesta... SE. SE, Which yes. is cool, because you could still get a manual on that, and it's that three-cylinder EcoBoost. Yes, it is cool. Uh, and they, you don't have to deal with that uh, awful, awful transmission. Well, you do if you buy with the auto. Yes, you do. Um, but, one second. Okay. I see that laptop is going well. We've been out of the studio for two weeks, so that I'm amazed it even turned on. Yeah, this laptop's chooching. Relearning this computer and the audio recorder was dead, and so um, doesn't like to not. Anyway, yeah. So my aunt Debbie would not be buying the ST, and yeah, obviously after hearing all the horror stories of their awful transmission, she's not going to buy their normal car either. She's going to go buy literally anything else right because people don't want to do that research if they hear something bad about a general make they're just like well i'll avoid it it's like the tiguan like people hear bad things about the tiguan and it has a literal like one out of ten on consumer reports (laughs) but people still buy them yeah i still get questions all the time from people like oh what about a tiguan i don't know who's buying them like do any amount of research on them but anyway so what ford has to do if they're gonna ever do anything other than trucks which is trucks are working now. It's fine. But Yeah, and they have good facets. I mean like that plug in F one fifty thing we talked about with this, the two twenty outlet. That was cool. But like but people don't thing. need trucks. We're in the middle of a recession. You know what people don't have? Jobs. And you know what people are gonna eventually need when they need a job? A cheap car. Like it's cheap fuel. Yeah, it gets cheap, cheap fuel, fuel and cheap fuel economy and cheap maintenance. Mm-hmm. So that's gonna play right in the Hyundai Kia Toyota Mitsubishi's wheel like wheelhouse. Yep. And Ford's going to be sitting there with an L and asking like, Well, what for about a... an F-150? I'm like, no, you boomer. Yeah. So Ford's going to be sitting there stuck with a bunch of unsellable vehicles in three years. And now they're going to have to be asking Congress for a bailout. And I don't want to own Ford as well. No. Like, not, a, I already... not, a, not again. Well, we, didn't have, we never owned Ford. Oh, well, I know. But Ford... Uh, they... oh, government Motors. <laughs> GM did. But, I mean, this is the thing is... What, Chrysler, Ford, right? what Ford needs to do is they need to think three years in the future, not today. And what mm-hmm. Ford's doing right now is they're trying to catch up with what's happening today, not what's happening three years in the future. Yeah, it's not forward thinking at all. No. And that's the thing is you can take a small car and make it into a big truck. You cannot make a big truck and turn it into a small car. Because mm-hmm. Toyota... They had all their small cars. Mm-hmm. Honda had their small car. Honda brought the Fit to America during the recession. Mm-hmm. Then when the 
when the crossover started taking over, Honda made the CH or the HCR HRV HRV. That's what it is. Yeah, the, the CHR and the HRV are yeah. similar form factor vehicles. The, yeah, the CHR is the Toyota version. Uh, but what they did is they took a small car and they made it into an SUV, and that is a formula that works. You cannot go the other way. You cannot take a an expedition and then right. go. We gotta make a small car out of this. Well, sorry, it's then got a frame up, like that. Then won't you end work. up with a Pinto. Like, oh, no. and, let's move the gas tank. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, and yeah, the HRV saving grace is you could get a six-speed manual in it. Yeah, that's true. And the HRV also, um, that if you're not familiar, is entirely just a Honda Fit with all-wheel drive and lifted. Really, I thought it was a Civic-based thing. No, that's a Fit-based. It's got vehicle? an L15 in it. Cool. Even has what's actually super cool is it's got the Fit twist beam rear axle. Oh, geez. How did they do that with all-wheel drive? I know, right? Super weird. As soon as I saw one coming to work when I still worked on this one, you I just had to run underneath drop. it. Yeah, I was like, going to yeah. say, you do what I do is you just run outside and go underneath it like, wow! Yeah, and actually they have a twist beam, and it, it operates more like a DD on tube. Like, it, it is literally one weld away from being a DD on tube because it twists so much from the suspension articulation. <laughs> so, it's very cool. Um... <laughs> But anyway, Ford, they need to really rethink their uh, abandonment of cars. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll give them the manual transmission. That's something I can't defend other than the fact that I would like it, but I can't make an economic defense on that. Uh, but the car thing... Yeah, because I don't care about long-term reliability and running costs. Well, yeah, you're right. But, I mean, American buyers don't uh, for normal cars, and that's who Ford's going for. Right no now. buyers care about that Yeah, on new true. cars yeah. at all. Nobody, Nobody thinks past the 60,000 miles they're going to own a car for. Yeah, and that's how Tiguan owners end up owning Tiguans. And mm-hmm. No, that's how second Tiguan owners end up getting... I think that's how first Tiguan owners do, because they go, I'm going to fix this one problem, and then by the time they're done fixing that quote-unquote one problem, now they can't afford a car, because now their credit's tanked, because their credit card's maxed Even out. Even when it was in warranty, it's probably <laughs> in so much, they spent more time in a loaner vehicle than they did in their Tiguan. Just thinking about all their fond memories of driving to the grocery store with their Tiguan. And now they're going to get real well acquainted with the junkyard. Yeah, exactly. Every time I see like a 2013 Tiguan in a U-Pole yard, I'm like, yep. That makes perfect sense. Trying to it's think in like of, perfect condition. I'm trying but. to think of anything at all that you can take off of that, and I can't. Because the radio sucks. The yeah. engine sucks. If, the if it's high trim, the wheels are nice and they fit on golfs and stuff. But beyond that... can't think of anything. There's no redeeming qualities to that vehicle. No, they're all automatics. They're the interior all, stuff doesn't fit anything else. They're CCTAs, which are just garbage from the start. Mm-hmm. There's nothing good on it. No, no, it's, the same it thing, it's the same thing with the, Eco, the EcoSport or whatever their small SUV is on um, Ford. Oh, yeah. They've got no redeeming qualities, so... Yeah, I don't even know vehicle. what powertrain is in there, because that's a stretched-out Fiesta 2. I think that is actually... they. I think with that one, they kind of did the HRV thing. Well, if it's got that three-cylinder EcoBoost, that's pretty cool. But it probably has that power shift piece of crap in it. Oh, God. <laughs> Gross. It's like a Trax. I wonder like, if they had Who three buys c- these? I wonder if that three-cylinder EcoBoost would fit in my van. It all... fits in a carry-on bag. Yes, no, I mean, it would fit in your I mean, van. if it just bolts in. Oh, like the, the four-cylinder? Oh, yeah, because yeah. the four-cylinder does. Maybe. It might. If that three-cylinder... I would much rather have a really hot three-cylinder than a normal expected four-cylinder. I mean, that was a ground-up engine, but it might still share. I mean, it would make sense for it to share. It, it makes yeah. sense, yeah. I, I'm going to have to do I some I bet research. it does. Because it fits in the Fiesta, and the Fiesta uses the, the one-six four-cylinder. Yeah. So... And I think it's the one six is that MZR derived. Yeah, that is. It's a small. It's a just really big uh, cylinder walls on hmm. that, and a different uh, crank. That would be really funny that, if I could put a three cylinder in my van. That would, thing would be on peak boost 
all the it time. It would be wonderful. I'd have a giant turbo on it. <laughs> It'd be the lumpiest turbocharged vehicle you've ever You would felt. have to to get any semblance of fuel economy. That's what I find with the Fiat. It's like, if you cruise at 80, you're on a little bit of boost just cruising. Yeah. And it gets horrendous fuel economy. So, like, Andrew Chase's uh, EK, mm-hmm. he gets like 35 miles per gallon in that thing because... Mm-hmm. It's got a giant whole set Cummins turbo on yeah, it. Yeah, because it's not spooling at all. It doesn't spool until VTEC comes on. Like it, if it, you're under vacuum, it'll good good fuel economy. Yeah, you get like really good fuel economy with a giant turbo. <laughs> like everybody with like Supras and stuff, they're mm-hmm. like, yeah, I put a, I, I make a thousand horsepower and I lost one mile per gallon. Like, <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah, well, I'm sorry. Turbo, you I get lost turbo one, leg. I, I lost one mile per gallon highway fuel economy. I lost thirty miles per gallon in the city. Wait, what? You only had like yeah, we're in, had, we're you, into gallons per mile. You, so you, you had you had fifteen before. He goes, yeah, it takes me about three gallons to go a mile when I'm in the city. It's like <laughs> listening to the uh, the city and highway fuel economy and those old Detroit two strokes and buses. Mm-hmm. They did like eight or nine highway, which was pretty good, and they did two or three city. <laughs> Because they, they burn so much fuel just idling. Yeah, just and idling just like, and accelerating. Huh. Wow. <laughs> yeah, if you, if you got a Detroit running, you should be just driving it down the highway, because apparently that's the only time that they're ever efficient. <laughs> that's and hilarious. yes, that's a digression, but whatever. Anyway, speaking of digressions, <laughs> driving on the highway and going up north. Yay! So last week, when you guys were listening to us, um, that was actually live via Discord, via my mobile phone. That's the, why it sounded the way it did. And actually, it sounded okay. Given the technology you're using, that sounded way better than I thought it would. I was using the uh, the bundled iPhone headphones with the microphone there was, plugged into my MacBook. There's a tremendous amount of white noise. Excellent. Yeah. Well, compared to this, yeah. Yeah, this sounds way better. <laughs> As it should. I mean, the yeah, anyway, but... I uh, I was up north visiting my paternal grandmother, and we ended up taking the Z8. So, great car. It See. did the trip just fine, um, and we took a companion vehicle along because we had more than two people, and that was my brother's Model S P90DL. Um, the trip was great. There's kind of a halfway stopping point, and that's where the supercharger was for him, so we stopped and got a bite to eat. Uh, and that's where it promptly started raining for the rest of the entire drive, there and back. <laughs> so, the Z, it's great. Is it and waterproof? Yeah, it is. It's waterproof. I kept the top down until I absolutely had to put it up. That's good. Um, so, I had spent a lot of time reconditioning all the leather once I got back home, because it had been pretty moist. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't calculate fuel economy, but it was doing about 330 miles to a tank, so it's got to be low to Expected. mid-20s. Mm-hmm. Still a six-speed manual and still NA, so it's probably not going to get horrendous fuel economy, but very comfortable. The steering is probably the heaviest steering of any vehicle I own. That's wonderful. And the suspension has zero caster. So if you are on the highway and you turn the steering wheel five degrees and you let go, it will stay at five degrees. It will not recenter, which is a weird thing. That is really And when I got back into any other car, I was very confused by what was Are you sure the power steering isn't broken? Because it sounds like broken power steering. Power steering works fine. It's a steering box, so... Or, no, it isn't. That's Rack and Pinion. This is Rack and Pinion? That one is. The M5 is not. And I remember being surprised by that. Um, but no, everything's fine. Obviously, it's 40,000 miles. But the performance brace did not shake loose. That's good. So, luckily, none of the holes I drilled in that car broke, which is excellent. Um, and, yeah, I, nobody in that town knew what the hell it was, nor did anyone on the road, except for leaving the central charge point on the way home. 
I was leaving the parking lot with the top down, and somebody yelled out, hey, it's the James Bond car. <laughs> and I was like, well, I guess that's what this is known for. It is. Yeah, uh, it's especially it's in same that color. color. Yeah. yeah. It's same, it's exactly and I'm like, car. you know, props. Somebody in Alexandria, Minnesota knew what a Z8 was, kind of. Somebody in Alexandria, Minnesota knew <clears throat> what the best Bond movie was. Because The World's Not Enough is, that is arguably one of the best Bond movies of all time. I'd put that up there. All the Pierce Brosnan movies. Oh yeah, those are the. That's the best segment of Bond, absolutely. But Goldeneye is so hard to say no to. But I mean, like, that's the thing is like, so Tomorrow Never Dies, obviously. I love worse. that one too. Obviously, worse. It's my favorite for sure. But I also know that I'm wrong. But Tomorrow Never Dies gets shit on, and I don't know why because it's a it's great. A, it's movie. got Dolph Lundgren in it. It's got Michelle Yeoh. It which, keeps your attention the whole time. Yeah. And it, yes, she is. She's smoking hot Bond girl, and actually. Uh, a very, very good uh, kung fu artist. So she actually got her start doing kung fu with Donnie Yen, who is Ip Man and plays Shiru Imwe in Star Wars. Hmm. Um, so yeah, so she's like just as well known in like the kung fu world as like Sammo Hung, oh my, as Jackie Chan, <laughs> 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 Jet Li. Like, kind of, she's like on that level. Uh, sure. So okay. she's like, <clears throat> like Michelle Yeoh is like one of like the top kung fu artists in the world for uh, the movies. bike chase scene when she was you know moving around handcuffed yeah, to that's James awesome. and like that was all really great yeah like that was a great movie but i think that um the movie that like really just doesn't get the time of day that is objectively better than that movie even though i like that movie more um is the, the world, world is not, not enough. enough because the z8 they cut a z8 in half yep um What's his name? Nikolai Zakorsky? Yep. He, he makes a comeback. And uh, Carmen Electra. Carmen Electra, yeah. <laughs> She's and in it. Who is uh, the actress that plays, plays Electra King? The femme fatale. I can't remember her that, name. I thought, no, that wasn't Carmen Electra that's in it. That's uh, she, the chick that Denise Richards. She was a Bond girl. She was oh, you're right. Dr. Christmas I, Jones. I apologize, yes. Um, yeah, who, played a, who played Electra King? Because she was smoking hot. Smoking hot. Yeah. And, and it, it broke it, my heart to have to not root for her in that movie. I know, movie. right? And <laughs> Renard is awesome. I know. Like, that's a great movie. And it's like one of the only movies ever to take place in Azerbaijan, mm-hmm. which is a cool, like a super cool country. Because they could do it at the time. Yes, they could. <laughs> <laughs> it took place in Azerbaijan. I think they did some like, filming in Georgia. Like, it was in like, these like, weird locations. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It was super cool, and like nothing is cooler than watching. Like somebody just sat there and went, "You know what's going to be a really cool scene? Watching a Z8 drive through Azerbaijani oil fields." Mm-hmm. Like somebody thought that's such a cool concept, mm-hmm. and the way that they executed it, very cool. And then really... they cut out all but thirty seconds of it. Yeah, but I mean, like, I think it's really <laughs> cool that they actually they showed modern Eastern Europe, Western mm-hmm. Asia, so ex-Soviet states, but they didn't show them really as a shithole. Right. They showed him as actually being like a really cool place, like somewhere you'd actually want to go. Well, yeah, for stupid Americans not paying attention, they would have no idea that it's yeah, not no, somewhere not in the country that they live in. Yeah, no, like, that's like something really, really cool. And I, I just think that's a really great movie. A killer like concept of like Renard trying to blow up Istanbul to divert all trade back up to like. And didn't or, Moby do the soundtrack for I that think one too? So. It and was then, like, like garbage did the, the theme oh, song. Yeah. Like that's a great movie. Like that's true. And then they had the the yeah. the James Bond speedboat submarine chase. Oh yeah, what the hell? Yeah, super good movie. Yeah, super, like that. Like, I haven't forgot about. I've watched it recently. Yeah, like that's a really we took really good Z8. movie. Like okay. so that's what I'm saying. Like that movie is like the only Bond movie I think that that is arguably as good as Goldeneye. Because mm-hmm. like Tomorrow Never Dies, I love it. I love it for like. Three very specific purposes. I know it's not as good of a movie. All right. But it's like me saying, like, I really love the Cressida. Well, Tomorrow Never Dies just didn't have, like, solid action all the way through it. So no. I think it had a harder time with that. 
I, Tomorrow Never Dies was much more of like the Ronin yeah, thing, yes. where Ronin's known for one scene. Yep. Where it was otherwise a great movie. What a great scene, though. But mm. known for one really good scene. Whereas, like, and that's kind of how Tomorrow Never Dies is. So mm-hmm. You have the M5. No, or not the M5. It's the 7 Series. It's the 7 Series, yeah. You have the 7 Series in the parking lot. Like, that's like what you know Tomorrow Never Dies for, and that's about it. Pretty much. And then the scene on, like, the stealth boat. Mm-hmm. And I really mm-hmm. wish that the Tomorrow Never Dies video game didn't suck as much as it did. Because that, that game was such a freaking letdown. After the great, the wonderful Goldeneye Rareware game. Like, that was like a game. Rareware. Love it. That was a game. And then, you know what? It was another really good Bond game. Hmm. The World Is Not Enough. I didn't even know they made a game on it. Oh, that they one. did for, for Nintendo 64. Really? It, was, it wasn't like Goldeneye. But it was a very, very solid first-person shooter. I would say, I put that in the top ten first-person shooters of the '90s. Wow. Like it was that good of a first-person shooter. So, and 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 look at what followed up. Tomorrow yeah. Never, or not Tomorrow Never, The world is not enough, too. That was one. That was the first uh, Daniel Craig movie. It was with Casino no, Royale, wasn't it? No, they had that one with. Um, Halle Berry that everybody forgets. That was just so god awful. Oh, we call it the Vanish. Yeah, what was that one called? The Quantum of Salt. No, that was later. It wasn't the Quantum of Solace. That was. Um, I guess it doesn't matter. It was a trash day. movie. Oh yeah. Yeah, where she had the she had the Thunderbird. Was that still a Bond movie? It was a Bond or, movie. Uh, sorry, um, uh, Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, it was his last oh. movie. He's very old in it. Yeah, Even let's though, just, we'll ignore that one. All right, so <laughs> actually, I think I'm gonna argue Pierce Brosnan should make a comeback. Because, like, he's aged super well. Mm-hmm. He can play a great old Bond. Yep. Like, he's... Well, look at Sean Connery. Well, yeah, like Sean Connery <laughs> in the 80s. Like, he'd be a great old Bond. Like, I think that what they should do is 20 years after they retire a Bond, they should have him come back for one movie. Sure. I think that's a great idea. And then, because, like, every, like, Sean Connery did great when he came back in the 80s. That was an awesome movie. Uh, and I think that, I think that Pierce Brosnan would do a really good job doing that. And honestly... Daniel Craig, I don't get the hype about him. It's like, got to just be the ladies because they think he's handsome or something. Because yeah, I, I there's nothing. I, I get nothing from his movies because no. like so Casino Royale was really awesome until they derailed the plot at the end of the movie. It's like the the movie should have ended, and then they had the whole thing on the other island with his like love interest. Yeah, I like it just totally derailed it. It was like cool, that movie get, lost me less than halfway through. Yeah, it. I'm like I got a bonus movie that I don't want to watch. Just, like, <laughs> go home now. Straight to DVD second half. <laughs> yeah, like. Daniel Craig, great actor, terrible Bond. Yep. Like, I have no love at all for Daniel Craig. When they were picking that Bond, I'm like, if this isn't Clive Owen, I'm going to shit a brick. I think the, the only person I think it could be a good Bond today that they're considering, mm-hmm. I really think Idris Elba would be a great Bond. I don't know who that is. Idris, black guy. Um, he's from Luther on BBC. I'm sure he'd be great, he did, but he, I don't he's know He's also he a car enthusiast. He did this show called where he went around the world and went to different car cultures. Oh, He's like a he like he's like real life James Bond. Oh, like yeah. he's like an action movie star and he's like super sophisticated. Yeah, and like I vote for him. That sounds like good. the dude's awesome. Let's do that. Um so yeah, we just turned the Z A conversation <laughs> to a Bond. That's totally movie, fine. Which we, is fine. We're low on topics <laughs> these next two episodes, so, so if we stretch stuff out, that's yeah, fine can, with me. I can totally I can continue talking I, about I have too. no doubt. Um we we should actually make a topic next time about Bond. <laughs> um we could do Bond cars or something. Yes, we could. Uh, so, um, speaking of Bond, and kind of like the shit era of Bond was like the late 70s, because Timothy Dalton, oh, underrated yeah. Bond. I think a 20 years later Timothy Dalton movie would have been okay. I right, So, this is the thing. People hate Timothy Dalton because Pierce Brosnan immediately followed him up. 
He's, the, he's the E21. We talked about he's this. A, yeah, it's a 280ZX. He's yeah. totally fine on his own. <laughs> like, he's a great Bond, but there's just a better Bond immediately after him. I will say that I'll also put both of his movies in my top five. A View Bond. to a Kill, and what was the no, other one? A View to a Kill was, um, that was Roger Moore. Was it? Yeah. What were uh, Dalton's two um, movies? License to Kill. Really? And then The Living Daylights. Interesting. License okay. to Kill, I can't remember who did the theme song on that one, but it, that was like James Bond meets Scarface. I just thought that one's really campy and hilarious. Uh, they killed Felix, and it felt like James Bond in like a Miami Vice movie. Like I actually liked that. Grand like, Theft Auto, James Bond. Yeah, like I love Miami Vice. Like that was my favorite, like one of my favorite TV shows of all time. So hmm. it's like James Bond plus Miami Vice put that together until I like, kept James Bond fighting Colombian drug lords. That's so cool. I just remember they put skis on an Aston Martin. Yeah, that was. Um, yeah, that that was the Living Daylights, and the Living Daylights had a theme song by Aha. Okay. And that was actually, um, with the exception of. Pierce Brosnan and James Bond movies, The mm-hmm. Living Daylights is my number one favorite Bond movie. So I mean, at least you have a unique opinion. But it's it's an awesome movie. Everybody shits on it. I don't get it. Like I honestly, I watch all those back in the day, those TNT Bond marathons. Yeah, I'd right. watch them, and the ones I had to walk away from were the Dalton movies. Dude, have you ever? I, I honestly think that The Living Daylights. I'm gonna get it for Lazarus movie movie night. Fine, when fine. We start that back up because like that movie, I really think everybody should see because like everybody's like Timothy Dalton sucked, and I'm like, okay, why? Like, bah, 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 and they don't give me a reason. Like, The Living Daylights is actually a really good body. I think movie. it just it succumbed to the shit production value of the era. The uh, a, uh, a like, license to kill, hundred percent. I will give you that. Yeah, but I think that The Living Daylights. I went back to more of like a. It felt more like a Sean Connery style Bond story. Okay. Because it was actually based off the book. All right, the story wasn't bad. I'm not necessarily saying the story was bad. I'm just the saying how, how the production value it was bad. I think the Living Daylights had perfectly fine production I value, as opposed to a View to a Kill. Or, sorry, not a View to a Kill. Um, License to Kill. Absolutely, hundred percent. That movie was objectively difficult. Objectively bad. I just happened to like it. <laughs> And objectively, we like a lot of stuff that's objectively yeah, like, bad. It's I would, fine. <clears throat> I would say the best Bond movies are Goldeneye, um, Tomorrow Never Dies, A View, or The World Is Not Enough. Um, pretty, pretty much just, then just backwards with Tim Live and Let Die is one of my favorites. Live and Let Die is I love very close. that boat scene God, so yeah, much. Right. I think that actually might bump off um, the, uh, the License to Kill. I mean, I don't like the island scene. Like, that movie almost gets ruined Bar- for me for Bar- that. insanity? That guy's awesome. I, it's fine, but, like, it doesn't fit the movie at all. It totally does, if you actually nah. follow the plot line. I don't do it that. Takes place in, no, 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 it no. takes place in Jamaica. I'm in it for the power boats. Yeah, the power boat scene's great. And the boat car. And, so, I would say that one, it, that and um, A View to a Kill are the two best uh, Roger Moore Bond movies. Okay. Because, uh... A, a View to a Kill has Grace Jones in it, who is objectively number one, the best Bond girl, even though she's a bad Bond girl. Because she's A, super hot, and B, Grace Jones. And C, like, I think probably the only black Bond girl up until Halle Berry. So, I think you're right. Yeah. So, yeah, Grace Jones, like, she made that movie. If Grace Jones wasn't in that, the movie would have sucked. Especially nineteen seventies bikini and power boats too. I mean, boom! That was in the, that, that's why that's why uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's why uh, what was that the um, 
Live and Let Die. That's why that one's in that list. That, yeah, I, I adore that movie. So, uh, speaking of a view to a kill, actually, I'm just going to, one more thing before we move on. Sure. Uh, speaking of a view to a kill, I was watching Umbrella Academy with Jana, which is this, like, very, very cool series on Netflix, and I noticed that they actually uh, had a reference to um, A View to a Kill. Interesting. So, A View to a Kill, do you remember the scene where the guy, wait, was that A View to a Kill? Yeah, where the, 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 the assassin dresses up as a moat man and sneaks into the building? Pretty sure it's A View to a Kill. I don't remember the scene, even if it is in that movie. But, but anyway, they, they had the assassins in... Um, Umbrella Academy dress up as milkmen, hmm. and that's their way of sneaking around. As they were the milkmen, also they all died. So it was like I was gonna say, hopefully all... this takes place in the past a bit. Yeah, it takes place in the 1960s. Because I'd say a milkman would be yeah, pretty it takes, conspicuous. Takes place in the 1960s. Okay, so yeah. all right. So it, it's another very cool uh, series. Sneaking up on all your housewives, <laughs> the milkman. He's like the pool boy of the 1990s. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he is. Or 80s. Uh, maybe. Yeah, he's a ni- 1970s, 80s, 50s, 60s pool boy. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> all right. Anyway, speaking of the 70s, uh, do you remember the series like Gundam Wing and like all those Gundam things from like anime? Yes, because I've known you that long. So. With Gundam, oh, they've had uh, they've been making actual functional Gundams in Japan. I assume that they are actually fighting robots because why would they not? That's like maybe like Japan's way of getting around like their version of Versailles. Okay, it's like oh, Germany made like the made like a secret military in Japan, <laughs> just like makes a bunch of fighting Gundams, which is a very Japanese thing to do. But anyway, these are huge. Yeah, no, they're actually massive. Like, they're huge. These are multi-story tall, functional robots. Oh. Yeah, like, they, like they're articulated Why? and everything. It's Japan. Why would you not in Japan? But anyway, so, the thing is... So, like, instead these... of solving their population crisis, they're building giant robots? Yes. Okay. They have, a, they have a North Korea to fight and a China to fight, and they have a population crisis? Guess what they're building? Giant fighting robots. Okay. That makes sense to me. Okay. So, so I mean, it's wrong. But. Anyway, uh, the guy who actually wrote Gundam um, was a huge Mazda enthusiast. Hmm. Uh, like, just absolutely massive. And he uh, actually owned several RX-7s in his life. A huge Mazda collection, personally, actually. Um, but the original Gundam that they erected was actually called the RX-78. <laughs> you said erect. <laughs> but they called it the RX-78. Okay. Which it, Gundam came out in 78, RX. RX-7. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. makes sense. That's a, the name of the Gundam, so clearly there's a Mazda reference there. Um, <laughs> so like Pacific Rim, that was a knockoff of Gundam for people that aren't anime weebos. But anyway, so the guy that designed Gundam, all their liveries apparently were oh, based wow. off of Mazda racing cars. Hmm. So the RX-78 was... Lazy, but cool. Yeah, very cool. Uh, awesome throwback. So like the RX-78 was like blue, red, and uh, white. It just like the Mazda race car of the era. Um, their current one that they're putting up is very similar. It's, the head is the height of a person. Yes, Granted, a Japanese person, so it's probably like four feet, but still. Yeah, it, it's pretty, pretty great. Um, but yeah, I, I just think that that's just a perfect idea is that... Uh, all the Gundams were based off of 1970s Mazda Who race cars. Who funds this stuff? 
I'm telling you, the Japanese military. It has to be. Like, that is clearly the is only... Is that where they blur out the entire background behind this particular video? Yes, because that's where all the other Gundams are being built. You just think they've put made two. <laughs> Secret Plot location. Twist, they've got a whole army of them just outside of Odaiba. <laughs> hey, look, they're wearing masks. <laughs> yeah, they are, because they're Japanese. And it's easy to do. You know, you know who doesn't need to wear a mask? Gundam, because he's a robot. I thought that was going to go somewhere else. I'm glad it went the way you were going. Yeah, this is very fine. Yeah, this is great. Oh, so, no. I just really, really hope that these are all functional robots and that they're all used to fight communism. I mean, do they actually move around? Yeah, yeah they're, they're actually functionally like, moving. Yeah. I guess it, it must be easier to do a like a giant scale robot that moves than a really small one. I, I don't think it like walks or anything, but I think the I know the head can move. I'm pretty oh, sure, okay. and the arms can move. Yeah, but easy. I don't know if it can walk. The thing is, though, maybe they're just like it is totally functional. It can actually like fly and stuff. And like, or like you said, they waiting. have a bunch of them, and they're for the military. Yeah, and the mil- and North Korea just thinks how good these statues. And like Japan's like, ha, plot twist. It killed you. There <laughs> yeah, you go. there you go. Mazda saves the day. See that red thing on its helmet? That's a warhead. Yeah, that's a warhead. That and it not, actually works. That is not the arrow that was on the Mazda <laughs> RX-7 Grand Prix car. <laughs> it is not. Which, boy, does that thing look like a sna- uh, slant nose 911. I know, right? That's crazy. The super silhouette RX-7s are some of my favorite cars. They look great. <laughs> Just great. They're wonderful. Like, oh. They have like 15 by 15 square wheels. Keep staying weird, Japan. I love yeah. that they never came up with anything outside of a ruler for design, which is probably why you love all their stuff so much. Because so, let's be honest, a Gundam is, that's all done with a ruler. Yes, it is. <laughs> well, you, you know why that they actually historically have done that, right? No. Because when they were making pagodas, uh, using long, like, entire tree trunks mm-hmm. for the basis of their buildings was what kept their pagodas from falling over during earthquakes. And so they uh, adapted straight, strong lines in their designs because having these, like, ornate curves and stuff were very fragile to make at that point in time. Hmm. So that's why they would use straight lines. And now in Japanese design language, using a straight straight Mm -hmm. line, like on the GTR, like, there's not a curve in the GTR because (laughs) they used entirely Japanese design language. (laughs) Maybe, like, slightly bowed logs. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. And that's actually why they did it, because, you know, like, yeah, we had the arch, but they didn't really. Well, I mean, Rome had it, kind of. Yeah. But, but I mean, like, Japan adopted the arch later on, but before they had the archway, they had pagodas. Where they'd I think they had industrial design trunk. before they had the arch. Yes, it's wonderful. <laughs> and, and that's what I love about it, is, like, we don't need curves. And people are like, what do you, what do you, you don't need curves? Curves are great. And they're like, Japan's like, no, we don't need curves. Look at our beautiful civilization that's lasted thousands of years that we've created without a single freaking curve. Everything's a square because squares are better. I'm glad that there's a laptop with a screen in, in between my eyes and your junk because I'm assuming it's aroused. Very. Okay. That's why, that's why White Castle makes their burgers square. Anyway, speaking of straight lines and design, um, the Murcielago, <laughs> <laughs> which arguably I think has got to be like the latest rad car I can think of. And I will stand behind the that's, fact that that car is rad. That, that is late rad. Yeah. yeah. That's um, late rad. Because it came out like 99? No, it came out in 02. But it was at auto shows in 2000. And it was designed so in actually, 99. There's a term for that. It's called post-rad. Where it's rad designs that were, that were penned and made entirely in the 90s that actually debuted technically after the rad era. I'm going to call it rad. Anyway. Yeah, so it's post-rad. I drove it's very it, cool. What was it? Yesterday? It was Thursday. 
So today's Saturday. So it'd be two days ago now. Yes. Me good with the brain thinking. Um, Crown Rally. Yes. They invited me to, well, A, to join their rally. I kindly said no. It's way too expensive now. And B, to come to their pre-party, which was at Kagan Case on a closed city street. I'm like, well, I don't have Pazzaluna. Screw it. I'll it's go. It's actually kind of fun. And um, the guy's like, is it true that you have a Mercy Lago? I'm like, yup. He's like, is it a manual? I'm like, did you seriously just ask me that question? I've known this person, Justin Brower, for like 10 years. How is he about to ask you a question like that? I don't know. And That's then he rude. Then he apologized. That's a rude thing to ask somebody. <clears throat> so I, I agreed to, to take the car there. The event was like 6 to 10, but I showed up at like 3.30. It was at the place where they served beer, and it was a beautiful day. I get it. Uh, and rush hour traffic is getting really bad again now that people are going back to work from the I, coronas. I wouldn't know because I work from home now. Yeah, well, I don't typically have to do it, but I do it. Eh, it doesn't matter. I mean, I put myself in a situation where I fight rush hour traffic. Just, it happens. <laughs> I, I go to work before and after rush hour for that very reason. But anyway, yeah. um, I had to pump up the rear left tire, of course, again, because those Toyo Proxies R1As from the early 2000s, uh, they're, they're pretty hard, and um, they don't actually seat quite right on Have those wheels. Have you considered talking Mark into buying other wheels for his like actual safety? I spent a lot of time and money to get those wheels on that car, so no, the wheels are staying. No, I'm sorry, not the wheels, the tires. Yeah, at some point I'll do that. But Yeah, because I, I would just, <clears throat> if he says no to that, I'd just send him a picture of Paul Walker. No, it's it's fine. It, I drove it. It was okay. okay. Um but anyway, it, uh, that's one of those cars where I don't actually look forward to driving it because it is actually that harsh. I mean, especially when you're dealing with a 30 series R1A. That's a 335. There's no give to it. It's, it's on factory coilovers. The seat has no support at all. But, but, it actually drives really well. Like go, It goes down the road straight. It sounds amazing. has excellent power. Can I just make a couple of caveats? Sure. You're, you're missing the whole point of that car. Lamborghinis are supposed to be terrible. A. Yeah. And B. It's supposed to be you, showy in those cars. I feel like you're, um, you've been spoiled by your bourgeois Teslas and such. That you're. No, I'm spoiled by my 355 because it's an excellent car. Yeah. It's comfortable. Yeah. It drives better. Okay. It sounds almost as good. Okay. And you can actually, it's, it's a great car. You know what else sounds cool, <clears throat> drives better on the highway, and is more comfortable? Mercury Marauder. No. But no, you know what's cooler than a Mercury Marauder? Cool. That's a big wet American V8. But you know what sounds cooler than that and is better than that? It's a Murcielago. And Murcielago, a Ferrari 355. No, because a Murcielago's terrible. It's supposed to be terrible. Like, that 355, like, yeah, that's actually good. But that defeats the purpose of a supercar. Because nah. a supercar is supposed well, to be. Well, it isn't a supercar. It's not. But the thing is, the point of the supercar is to be terrible. Like, it's supposed to be uncomfortable and awful. Because like, the whole point of it. But it, it isn't. It, it, it is. It, it is uncomfortable, but you, it's not terrible. Well, you know what I mean. Uncomfortable and relatively terrible to like a Rolls Royce. It's supposed to be... It's annoying more than it is terrible. Exactly. It's supposed to be annoying. It's supposed to spend a whole lot of money to be annoyed all the time and have an air conditioner that is like an asthmatic coughing on you. Uh, no, the, the AC does work fine in that, but I can't get the heater to not be on full blast at the same time. Is it all in Italian? Uh, I have no idea. Have you tried? I haven't looked into calling it. Calling the previous owner. I turn. The, okay, I'm not calling Jenna Jameson. Uh, I leave the blower motor off, and then it's fine. I just leave the windows down. I would just ask Jenna Jameson. She'll probably help you. 
called Jenna Jameson. <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing the heater valve on that is a Diablo carryover, because a lot of that car is Diablo carryover. Shocking. So it probably means it's a heater valve for a Chrysler minivan, which probably means I can buy one, which is nice. But I have not looked into it, because, again, that car... It, I have driven it both times in 2020. Well, wait, so actually, one second. The heat works, though, right? The heat works excellent. That's amazing, <clears throat> because I am utterly shocked that that is not just full of sediment. No, heat works great. I'm just shocked that, like, it's a Murcielago that was owned by Jen Jameson, who historically, like, lived not in Minnesota, mm-hmm. or, like, anywhere you ever needed heat. Yeah, I was going to say, that's like, what I keep thinking that, about. I'm like, like, how, how was that, that ever even turned on? Yeah, this heat has, like, you were probably <laughs> one of the only people ever to turn on that heat. Accidentally, yes, probably. <laughs> and like, it's nice on a sixty-degree morning or something like that. You could just leave it on. But like, most of the time when that car gets driven, the AC would be nice. And like, bless its heart, that thing runs cool. Like, doesn't matter if you're sitting there idling, driving. Everything is right where it should be. Good oil pressure. It does have several warning lights because the idiot that I bought it from moved the steering column while the ignition was on, and that trips a bunch of airbag warnings. If you do that, you have to have the key off and out to adjust the steering column on that car. Yeah, that's the Lamborghini stuff. <clears throat> I love that. We never figured out how to do that, so just don't do that. Like, I oh, love that. Okay. This is perfect. So anyway, this is beautiful. This is the way the car should be. I pulled up a kicking case <laughs> off of 7th, and it was fine. Cops moved the barrier. I parked it in front of this like late model C63 that was getting decaled. And Justin had asked, like, can we put vinyl on your car for pictures? I'm like, no. He's like, what about on the area where there's already vinyl? I'm like, nope. Fine, I guess, oh. as long as you take it back off. And then I get back out to the car later, and they had put a windshield banner on it, and they had put little Crown Rally things on, like, the quarter windows by the uh, the gas filler. That's not what you asked I for. I texted him, like, ballsy. <clears throat> That's all I said. But hmm. um, anyway, it was a great time. It was way too hot to be wearing jeans and to drive that car, but I'd come straight from work. Uh, but it did surprise me, like, how nice it actually was to drive once the tires flattened out a little bit, because obviously sitting a few months, yeah, partially tires. flat, <clears throat> yeah. they got a little bit of a uh, rumble to them. But that car, it garnered more attention than I ever would have thought. I mean, it's in a sea of, we'll call them, bro supercars. And, like, this is the only event I'd ever been to where I had by far the nicest vehicle. Well... Yeah, I mean, have you ever seen anything else that's got Crown Rally livery? It's something that makes you go, ooh, in traffic and nowhere else in your life do you ever go, ooh. No. Because it's just like, cool, you have a Lamborghini Anus. You have a Ferrari 458. There's like, a bunch of early model automatic Gallardos. One of them's that gross. Ryan Wheeler guy who does all that self-promotion shit on CEC, and I keep just, like, berating him every time he does it. And I, like... Audib- suck. audibly made fun of his car the entire time I was walking around it at the event. And who it. should have sent me a friend request the following morning? Ryan Wheeler. Yeah, so uh, I declined, declined that immediately. That, yep. He sent me a me- message request too, but I never actually looked at it. I'm I curious don't. what it says. Yeah, I'm not going to look. I don't care. Um, but it's just like, I, those kind of people are like, hey, you have a Lamborghini too. Let's go cruise or something. Well, no, no. It, they should say, <clears throat> oh, you have a Lamborghini. I have an Audi. Because that's not, a, a Gallardo is not a Lamborghini. That's just an Audi R8. But that's, that's well before the R8 came out. So technically, if you have an R8, you have a Lamborghini. No. Do you so, really want to? Do you really want to give Volkswagen people that? That's not a good Ga- thing. The Gallardo was built entirely after Audi bought them, right? Yes, that was the first fully Audi. That's an Audi. Oh, okay, that's fair. See, that's but I mean, it, like, that's say, an Audi. you can't call it an R8 though. Not the first gen. It's an Audi. That's what it is. That's fine. 
because it's a completely different car than the first gen R8. I mean, I guess that's because the, the second gen or like the facelift, yeah, uh, first gen Gallardo is an R8. But, but the first gen car predated it by okay. four years. I'll, gi- I'll give you that, but it's still an Audi. Yeah, it's an Audi, yes. In and it, for, it has. I mean, it's still called an R8 but to dumb people that don't understand that. And that 5 and liter makes the 5.2 look reliable. Yeah. That's the thing, is the, it's, not the, it's not the endearing unreliability of an Italian no. vehicle. This is like. That's the planned German horseshit. So, yeah, this is the thing, is like, people are like, well, it's just as unreliable as, as, as every other Lamborghini. I'm like, no, it's the thing, is Audi designs a vehicle to break. Mm-hmm. Like, it is just designed poorly. Whereas an Italian vehicle is designed while you're, like, wine drunk. Like, yeah, it is designed poorly, but in a completely different way. <laughs> yeah, like, not wanting to, not being able to drive your car because, like, one of the carburetor float bowls stuck and, like, they're out of sync. Like, that's a Lamborghini problem. Yeah. Not being able to drive it because your terrible plastic timing chain guy and your 5W30 oil ripped through and exactly. you interfered. That, that's that, an Audi problem. That's an Audi problem. Whereas, like, another Italian, Italian issues are massive inconveniences. Mm-hmm. Audi issues are, like, nefarious, like, problems. It, what it is, is it's, like, the differences between having, like, a, an emotionally abusive spouse and having somebody that's just an idiot that's your spouse. There's two <laughs> different people. Is you want the idiot. You don't want the emotionally abusive person. You're neglected by both, but you're angry yeah. about one of them. Yeah, <laughs> like, you're neglected by the idiot, but it's, like, it's not that person's fault. That person just can't think good. But, like... The emotionally abusive person, the Audi, like actually is doing like, it on purpose. Objectively sucks, and you need to get rid of that person in your life. And that's what an Audi is. And like that's that's my issue when people call their Gallardo a Lamborghini because it's not a Lamborghini, like at all. It is just the emotionally abusive Audi A8 with a V10, but they stuck the V10 in the back seat. Also, everyone that owns a vehicle that has that badge on it owns so much apparel. Yeah. With that on it as well. And they always wear, like, a Louis Vuitton, something or other, this and that. I'm like, you have no taste. Well, think about the people that own Lamborghini apparel. Yeah. And then the subsect of those people that actually own Lamborghinis. Mm-hmm. And think about what they own, is they own Audi Lamborghinis. They don't own actual Lamborghinis Correct. like yours, where an actual Lamborghini is, you know, that's somebody that's willing to make fun of themselves. Mm-hmm. Because they know they have a car that is objectively annoying and bad. And that's what the Murcielago is. And it's a beautiful thing. Oh, it's such a great car, though. It's a great, awful vehicle. <laughs> that's the thing. Is it, it is, on paper, an awful vehicle. It doesn't do anything good. And you love it for that. It is a wonderful thing. It's a thing between good and... It's a thing between, like, being a good car versus being a well-performing vehicle. A well-performing vehicle is a GTR. It's automatic. It's fast. It does everything as fast as humanly possible. A good vehicle is the one that you enjoy. And that's what the Murcielago is. It's something enjoyable because it does so many annoying I things. I don't actually know if I enjoy it, but I mean, it is arguably a very good car because that platform is so worked out. The Bizarini V12 is just indestructible. It's a six-speed manual, so that's not going to go bust. Yeah. So like, there's other than like the heater valve that's jammed on and the fact you can't move the steering column, Lamborghini <laughs> stuff. That's what I mean, though. That's what I'm it's saying. Fine. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like when I say like a good car is like something where it's just like things just work. That's what good is to me. Right, but a Lamborghini shouldn't do yeah, that. Yeah, exactly, and that's what I mean. That's what I'm saying. Is like we're, we're basically talking about this. Like, this like, car is too good to be a Lamborghini. You think this is why Audi decided to buy them? You em? can't get in a Countach, start it, and drive it, and be like, this actually is better you than I remember. Diablo. The late ones, yeah. 
But yeah. that's the same car, essentially. But that's the thing. That's what I'm saying is you still have the Lamborghini inconveniences. It's, it's still... It is... That car should have carburetors. I think... You know what? That car should have carburetors. You're right. Like that car I so don't much... know why it doesn't. Probably because it was illegal to put them on cars in that I particular year. I think year. you're actually correct. Is that That's what I'm trying to get at here. Is there like, This car is... It, it, Lamborghinis are very good at making something that's enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Even though on paper, <clears throat> you're like, why am I enjoying this? Right. It's like the Homer Simpson or the Peter Griffin of cars. Like I, I should have to look at the temperature gauge. I should have to wonder if that noise is normal. <laughs> like, Not like, oh, the Bosch ME7 fired up just fine. Yeah, exactly. Or, it, or it's like, wait, yeah, like the, it, it, I've got this weird issue. It's not going to be a big problem. It's not going to be like, a, I start my car, I have to listen to the noise it makes when it starts because it might be a timing chain letting go. Like, it's not that. Right. So. No, God, no. I mean, th- it has its annoyances, and it has its Lamborghini stuff. Like, the fact you have to turn the traction control off to drive it. I Otherwise, it. it just freaks out. I and love it's like, that. Okay. That's perfect. I'm That's... like, we're all so used to it now. It doesn't matter. Like, it's fine. It's just a part of but starting it. You turn the key, you push the button. Yeah. I don't think I'm ever going to buy a showy car ever again. Because, like, I hate being seen in cars. Yeah. I, I stayed far away from this thing the entire night. My thing, so I was thinking about this actually, because your outlook on cars is cars that you enjoy for your own personal satisfaction. Mm-hmm. I like sharing my experience with other people, mm-hmm. and so that's actually why I like a showy car. I don't like a bro car, but I like a showy car. Sure. That's how I, that's why you like Ferrari, and I like Lamborghini, because the Ferrari is very much for the owner, whereas Lamborghini is for everybody else to look at the owner. They're and both it makes very every, flash cars. It ma- makes everybody very... Well, relatively speaking. People drive, like, just as big an idiot around you in both of those. Re- relatively speaking, I should say. Whereas, like, if you're in a Ferrari, the Ferrari is designed for your satisfaction, usually. I would compare three- those two cars to the 850. I prefer the 850, because it's okay. really not flash. No, the 850 is not flash at all. And that's a, that, that's a you know, same, same vein as the 355. Whereas like, no, like you the said, 355 and the Mercy are in the same crowd. Well, no, because the 355, like, they worked everything out for you to enjoy it. But the people that are looking at those know, and almost running into you taking pictures I'm on the highway, they're re- the same people. Relative, relative to the two cars. Okay. The rest of the world aside, yeah. Ferrari is for you to enjoy yeah because they actually work the stuff out whereas when right. he's like nah fam like don't touch that steering column <laughs> don't, don't touch that steering column it's gotta be weird it's gotta take you extra three seconds to get in the car so more people can look at you oh your car's gonna break down good you'll be in the parking lot for longer so more people can look at you it's to make everybody else happy like that's the thing is the lamborghini is all those things where you can you can share your experience with your tow truck driver with your mechanic with all the people on the side of the road you have with plenty you. of time to There's educate a lot the folks of time on your car for people to look at your lamborghini whereas a ferrari like it's just gonna be like yeah this is mine I'm i got go, in it and left i'm gonna go find a b-road to go drive on like yeah like that's the thing it's like i prefer the car where i'm gonna be like yeah i have to like flick my carburetor float ball to try and get it to open back up so i can try and start it and drive home and like not have to take an uber like <laughs> I actually like that. Like that sounds fun to me. You have like a terrible time out at dinner because you're not sure if your car will start or if yeah, it's like leaking there, like, gas on the whole time. Like, like yeah, I love that. Wonder if my float ball stuck in my crankcase is filling with gas right now. Like the, these are things That's I why like. I should have carburetors. That's why I love Lamborghini as opposed. Like Ferrari's great. Don't get me wrong. I love Ferrari. But Lamborghini is much more of a me car. It's like, yeah. that's the Bosuzoku version of yeah. what a supercar should be. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it is very exaggerated. Yeah, I but like cars like that. I think that's why the Countach and Diablo and the older stuff is better, though. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Is I'll, I'll never... Uh, you, you can put a gun to my head and have me say that a Lago is better. 
a Murcielago is better than a Countach, and I will never It is a better that. car. It is not a better car. It is a better... I'm sorry. No, no, no. It is not better. It is a better car. Yes, but it is not better. Yes. It's a better car, not a better Lamborghini. Because the Lamborghini, a again... A Countach is better than a Murcielago, but the Murcielago is a better car. That's what I'm saying. That's what I... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's so, what we said. Yeah, I just said the same thing. I just added the word. It's a, the Countach is a better Lamborghini because it does more stupid Lamborghini shit that you yeah. shouldn't have to deal with. That's a beautiful thing. So okay, fine. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's why I love cars like that, and you love your things. As we both love things for the same reason. I think or, I just hate. We love people the same things much. for different reasons. I don't like actually being around people, but I like people knowing I'm there. Like I, I love explaining that car to people when it's them in here. That's fine, but at an area full of these, like, nouveau riche financed crown rally people. You're, um, you're introverted and I'm extroverted. Yeah. But I also, I'm an extrovert that, and neither of us <clears throat> like people. That car, like a, um, uh, Cars and Craft, I'd, I'd probably be much more apt to stand nearer it and answer questions. Because yes. that's a much better caliber of person. Yeah, I think that's a very good way to put it. Like, However, that car would never make it into that parking lot. There's enough wood planks. We'd have to like, rob a Home Depot. I mean, it has nose lift, but I don't think you can like leave it on. <laughs> so bad. Okay, so crap. <laughs> I think we should still try to get Mark to try to bring that when they start Cars of Craft back up, because I think that would be a wonderful vehicle to attempt to get in there. I, will, I would have to, I always, I find myself actually going to the place in my car first. And seeing it to for the see like, on the way out to West 7th, I'm like, which gas stations can I get into? <laughs> That's true, yeah. And on the way back, I had to hit one of those gas stations because it's a Murcielago. <laughs> it's a big that. tank, but it was very empty. Um, so, yes, I think that uh, we both love the same... I, I, just, I actually hate people. I just I, I like being around them, like I said. We both love the same thing for different reasons. Um Pretty and close. Yeah. You know what we don't love? What? Is we don't love personally being on public transit. Other people should use it, but we yes. shouldn't. Um, and <laughs> I will go out of my way to help it proliferate. Yeah. And to make sure it's still working. To and make... I do ride it occasionally, but I prefer cars. Yes, I concur. And uh, so does Jalopnik, actually. They, say, they think that there's a reason for public transit. It's not for us. Right. And so Jalopnik actually uh, had a question. And the question is, how long does a fart linger on a subway car? A... Did they specify, like, what... Because, like, subway cars can vary a lot in length. And are you talking, like, New a, York a, a subway standard, or... A standard San Francisco subway car. How long okay. does a fart linger? That's, that was your question. And so, with that question, of course, naturally, we have to have what our assumptions are. How long do you assume a fart would linger well, on a Well, how many car? milliliters is a fart? An average <clears throat> fart. An yeah. audible, like, <clears throat> did that guy really just fart? Kind of fart. Mm. Not like a, wow, that dude just farted. Holy crap. <laughs> like, it's like, wait, was that a fart? Like that okay. kind of fart, not a cheek slapper. Yeah, okay. not a cheek slapper. Just like a like a <laughs> kind of thing. How long do you think that would take? <clears throat> okay, so we're probably talking. We'll say it's like ten milliliters. There's probably oh my god, subway cars are huge. Individual cars aren't that big though. Uh, they're, well, they're still pretty big. But the I assume they have air filtration systems yes, on them. Okay. I bet it's pretty quick. I bet it's like two, two to three minutes. Two to three minutes? Maybe even less. Maybe is uh, no. I'll say ninety seconds. Ninety seconds. I'm gonna say just because I think that the number of people around you will probably stagnate the air around you. Okay. I'm gonna say probably about minute thirty. So, Jalopnik uh, actually asked the question 
to BART on, which is uh, San Francisco Bay Area Rapid Transit. <laughs> uh, Bay Area Rapid they Transit. actually <laughs> asked the question, all we really want to know about <clears throat> is how long it will take for the new air filtration system to filter a fart out of the car. That was their question. Is because they just put in new air filters in them, and I want to know how long it's going to take to filter a fart. Well, believe it or not, San Francisco BART got back with him. Well, very nice. That was good of them. San Francisco said about okay. 70 seconds. Actually. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah. Okay. Maybe longer if you laid a real monster of a fart or sharded yourself. <laughs> word for word what they said. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> yeah. So uh, they actually used the word sharded. Um, wow. They installed the new air filtration systems, actually, because it used to take longer. It used to take closer to 90 seconds. So you were actually closer to being right. Hmm. They added the new system uh, to minimize the risk of COVID-19 mm. and also minimizes the risk of you breathing in some other man's fart. That's, that's the one I'm honestly more concerned about, even though I shouldn't be. Well, that's the thing. You have health care. You don't have inconvenience <clears throat> care. I've got a mask. That'll probably filter it out, right? Or I'll be fine, yeah. So, <laughs> Jesus. Well, now, I'm glad they got back to him. And that, yeah, they, that is important data. Now we know it takes 70 seconds for a Bay Area, uh, San Francisco Bay Area rapid transit subway <laughs> car to filter out a fart. I can sleep at night. <laughs> you know. This is going to be great. San Francisco is clearly, that. that's why it costs so much money to live there. I do like San Francisco. That's a wonderful say. area. That's my favorite part of California. Um, so you remember we talked a little bit earlier about Ford. Yes. Not having gotten a government bailout in 2008. They were yes. close. But no, did. GM yeah. was really the, the poster child of that particular event. You wouldn't believe this, but right now in the UK, they're thinking about bailing out JLR, which is an Indian company, not a British company, which is kind of surprising. But 